the others are me for now. What prayer should it be? What praise may arise? I hear the beat transformed to become one. Open my eyes. All I can see is the epitaph for impermanence, where the attachments prevents a triarch of my misery. Anxiety, depression, hysteria. Some day my silence will set me free. Mahom, the mantra from within. For now, the suspicion of this silent retreat propels me to examine the temporary of the city, the urbane beauty, the remaining chanting, the solitude I am in. What's enlightenment going to be? Chatters come in. This retreat, a dream, shall begin and repeat. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? The Kahabu people are one of Taiwan's groups of so-called Plains Aborigines. Like many other groups that fall into this category, the Kahabu don't hold official indigenous status. But despite not having government recognition, the Kahabu still hold on to many aspects of their culture, and their language, while endangered, is still in use. If you want to learn more about the Kahabu, Pan Baofeng is one of the best people to talk to. She has Kahabu ancestry, and she's written a thesis on her people's traditional magic. She's also related to important figures in just about every area of Kahabu life and culture, from authorities on the language and makers of traditional clothing to skilled traditional healers. Over the next two weeks, she'll be with us to share Kahabu traditions, introduce some Kahabu phrases, and tackle the big issues of Kahabu identity and work towards official status. Kahabu Ms. Pan says the original home of the Kahabu people was in what are now inland parts of Taizhong. However, ethnic Chinese migration into their lands led the Kahabu to move further inland into Taiwan center. She says this move took place gradually, starting around 190 years ago. Today, many Kahabu remain in this home around central Taiwan's Puli area. But others have moved to other parts of Taiwan, and she says you can find Kahabu people in urban areas like Taipei, too. The traditional Kahabu way of life involved both fishing in rivers and hunting in mountains, though these days farming is a major occupation. Drying rivers have seen the practice of fishing fall away, and legally speaking, hunting is out of the question, restricted to indigenous groups the government recognizes. Over the years, Kahabu festivals and ceremonies have fallen away too. In part, this has to do with the group's adoption of Christianity. But there is still one event that is central to Kahabu life, the New Year celebration. The Kahabu New Year tends to fall around winter, this year in mid-December. The celebrations feature a foot race between young men. This foot race is a show of physical power, and Ms. Pan says that in traditional society, the first three finishers would get a beautiful piece of cloth. The winner would also get a beautiful wife and might even become the community's next leader. In more recent years, cash prizes have been awarded instead, 
Though last year, in a return to tradition, a piece of cloth with traditional patterns on it was given out as a prize once more. During the new year, people also gather in a circle, holding hands around a bonfire and singing traditional songs. These songs are called ayen, a word Ms. Pan says means just that, songs. The ayen have some special features, though. For one thing, Ms. Pan says, ayen share a single melody, though each song has different words. They would have once served different purposes, appearing at kahabu weddings, funerals, and other occasions. One of the ayen texts involves a prayer for rain, and elders say that even though the lyrics may change over time, the fact that each song shares a melody with a rain prayer explains why New Year's always seem to be rainy. At times, Ms. Pan says, the original rain prayer ayen has been deliberately sung at New Year's to call up a rainstorm. She says this would keep troublesome outsiders from crashing the event. During the New Year, the elders also recount the deeds of heroic ancestors in song. One of these tales, for instance, tells the story of Awi, a man remembered for his hunting prowess and other great traits. Ms. Pan says a forthcoming storybook retells some of these tales, but she says the stories really need to be sung. Though these days the stories only tend to come out around the New Year, Ms. Pan says they really ought to be brought back into everyday life. Many stories still need to be collected, and she also says people will need to talk about whether the stories can be changed up, or if they should just sing the original version. As we've said, Ms. Pan's specialty is magic. The Kahabu people's neighbors often associate them with magic. Unfortunately, the associations are often with dark magic, which is something Ms. Pan says exists, but is only part of the picture. The average person, she says, can only do white magic. To the average person in traditional society, white magic was an important part of everyday life. Even the adoption of Christianity back in the 19th century has not dislodged the practice of magic from Kahabu culture. In part, this is because of a lack of other medical care. Even well after Western medicine arrived in Taiwan, doctors were hard to come by in this rural area, and care was expensive. In any case, magical home remedies would do the trick. For instance, Ms. Pan says, if someone got a bone stuck in their throat, you could recite a spell before a cup of water and then have the affected person drink it. The charmed water would take care of that bone. If you cut your hand, you could dress the gash with leaves and recite the appropriate spell. The wound would heal without a trace. Of course, in today's Taiwan, access to doctors is much less of a problem. But medical folklore still has its place in Kahabu society today. Ms. Pan says her cousin is a shopkeeper, but around the neighborhood, she's known for her skill in healing wounds the traditional way. When the owners of nearby shops get hurt, they still turn to her for her art. Magic was about more than just healing, though. It could be used to deal with all kinds of dangers. Ms. Pan says certain spells could shrink snakes or scare them off. There were spells for calming an aggressive dog or creating lights to light the way in the dark. By casting the right spell and carrying a piece of ginger with you, you could ensure a safe journey. 
and ginger could also be used to counteract a hex. Miss Pan says today's magic is much simpler, though. Some converts to Christianity did stop doing it, and the spread of Western medicine has had its impact, too. Today, Miss Pan says, the fantastic spells you hear about from the past are gone. One example of an old spell that's fallen away is a ritual used to find a lost or stolen item. Ms. Pan says people could once reveal where these things were by gazing into a basin of water and reciting the right spell. It's hard to say how much of this folklore has been lost. The first researchers to investigate Kahabu magic only came in the 1970s, much too late to catch everything. One special feature of Kahabu magic is that you don't really have to be a specialist to perform it. There was no magical caste or profession. Instead, Ms. Pan says, just about every Kahabu family had someone with magic abilities. And magic was so commonplace that no special honor came to those who could do it. Ms. Pan has found that some believe magic abilities were passed down from mother to daughter, while others say magic was passed down to daughter-in-laws. Either way, these days, she says, anyone, even outsiders, can learn from her family. Though she says they must learn to pronounce the Kahabu spells correctly. Mispronounce any of the words, and you won't be understood by the Kahabu-speaking spirits thought to make these spells work. Ms. Pan herself has never learned to practice this magic, but her research sheds an important light on this corner of Kahabu culture. How well-preserved are other aspects of Kahabu culture? Next week, Ms. Pan will be back with us to talk about a revival of Kahabu clothing, led in part by her aunt. She'll also tell us about the state of the Kahabu language, the efforts to keep it going, and the obstacles that stand in its way. We'll look at how the Kahabu and another group of Ms. Pan's ancestors have often been confused, and we'll see how the Kahabu have joined up with other unrecognized groups to assert their existence. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Listen, are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Live from the studio, a sneak peek at what goes on behind the scenes at RTI. Hello and welcome to Live in the Studio. I'm Jake Chen. We are starting a whole new mini-series this week. And by that, I mean we'll turn our attention to my friend and colleague here at RTI, Shirley Lin, and to her weekly radio show, In the Spotlight. I have been curious about the show In the Spotlight for quite a while now. See, because in most other shows, there is this running theme, and therefore, by extension, the guests that come into the show all fall in line with that theme. Take Book of Oaths by Charlie, for example. 
that focuses on the subject of poetry, and therefore most of the interviewees are poets. On the other hand, Andrew talks about food all the time on Feeds Me Swiss, since that is the show's main direction. On my other radio show, for example, Stroke of Light, I talk with artists and the work they create. Now, one we talk about in the spotlight from Shirley, this one is quite different. The guests that come in to be interviewed on her show seem to be very diverse in their background. There isn't this uniform theme in terms of their careers, interests, or hobbies. The guests come from all walks of life, really, with diverse backgrounds, upbringings, lifestyles, jobs, and families. Perhaps the only common thing they share is exactly the obvious, which is that all the guests, be it Taiwanese locals or foreign nationals, are currently living and working here in Taiwan. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin, and with me in the studio, I have Jay Fang, who is the founder and director of Green Consumers Foundation. Well, let's welcome Jay. Hi, Jay. Hi, Shirley. Yes, nice to have you make time to come in and speak to us. Thank you very much. The home of Mayumi Hu, who is Japanese American, and she's an artist. Hotelier, but now she's dedicating her time to social services, especially animal welfare. Well, let's meet Mayumi. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for coming. I have Kevin Kobe Lee, who is a video director slash writer. Based in Taiwan. Well, hi, Kevin. Hey, Shirley. How's it going? Good, good. You know, I know too many Kevins. I want to call you Kobe. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. All, all my friends call me Kobe. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of、uh, Kevins in Taiwan. Too many. Too many Kevins. You took the name. In the show, Shirley invites everyday people to come in to sit down and to talk about their life and their job and ambition, and the diversity that everydayness, for the lack of a better term. It's exactly where the charm lies for the show, I think. Shirley has this really personable voice and approach that she's able to move the conversation smoothly forward and navigate from one subject to the next. And because the subjects, the interviewees that come into her studios have so many different things to offer from their life, the conversations can often lead to a lot of different insights into different lives and careers, including that of photographers, teachers, business owners, housewives, etc. And I think more importantly, through her show, we get to see the many personal sides of these characters. We get to know how foreign nationals eventually ended up and settled in Taiwan, including the twists and turns along the way. We get to know what brought traveling expatriates back to Taiwan, and how local talents grow up and navigate the changing landscape. These stories lie at the heart of Spotlight, as a radio show, but more so as a storytelling vessel. In the next few weeks, we'll talk to Shirley herself about the planning and making of In the Spotlight. We'll get to know how it all started. What are her favorite guests and favorite moments, and where she aims to bring the show into the future? Please stay tuned. For live from the studio, I'm Jake Chen.
Ellen, pull yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast, and this is Ellen Chu. This is Andrew Ryan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. And basically, today <laughs> we are going to get into the mood of November. That's right. You know, I still feel bad about last week, Ellen Chu. What? I feel bad because I totally pulled the wool over your eyes. I was a cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. You are. I am. Yeah, it just you know actually made the fact true. But I'm trying to like I, I feel like I should use today's show as a way of like winning winning back my reputation. You think he will winning back your respect and honor of me? <laughs> if you put it that way, okay. Because um, you you know if you didn't join us last week, we should tell you that um, we had a show themed. P- uh, not Peter, Peter, Pumpkin Eater. It was mm. Cheater, Cheater, Pumpkin Eater. Right, but you did fit the theme, Cheater, Cheater. Yes, because I cheated Ellen Chu. I said I was going to make something out of pumpkin, and then there was only pumpkin spice in it. There was no pumpkin in it. Right. And then we talked about lying. Well, this whole show, I think today we're going to call it Truth, Baked into mm. a Mini Pie. All right. Because you requested pumpkin pie, and I did not fulfill Meet your up. request. Nope. So I thought that today I would make up for my past... Uh, aggressions and we'll grievances. See. We'll see <laughs> until the end of the show. Okay? Transgressions. I said aggression. Right. I meant transgressions. Well, we need to see because last week, you know, you played me really hard. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, Ellen Joe. So this week we will be at the end of the show to let you guys know if he really made it up. Okay. Do you know? I, I do have a mind to just like make sweet potato pie and like sell it to you as pumpkin pie because they taste kind of the same. No, but that would, I, that I think would be I two have like row. very sensitive like taste bud. And you think I don't, so? Yeah, I don't think I'll be full. Now I'm regressing, regretting I didn't do that. <laughs> regressing? <laughs> I'm okay. regressing. I'm regressing day by day, All ladies right. and gentlemen. Shall we have a look and see what's on our menu? Sure. Let's do it. In our first course, we'll tell you all about some idioms involving truth from Chinese history. Wow. That's right. Because last week we talked about lying. Now we're going to mm. tell you about truth. truth. In our second course, I'm going to head into the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen to fulfill Ellen's request for pumpkin pie. In our third and final course, we'll be sampling them right here, ahora, in the studio. <laughs> I like that little addition of Spanish in there. Yeah. It made our show feel very Aquí. international. <laughs> Aquí. How do you say pumpkin in Spanish? Pumpkin. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Well done, Ellen Chu. Yeah. Actually, I really don't know how to say pumpkin. I don't know how to say it in French either. Really? Pumpkin, nangua. I know how to say it in Chinese. Does that count? Let's see. Pumpkin <laughs> right. in Spanish. You look it up in Spanish. I'll look it up in French. Okay. I wonder if it'll look familiar even. I think it is what I said, pumpkin. It's not pumpkin. No? That is not how you say it in Spanish. That pumpkin. is not true. What are you looking at? Pumpkin in... In Spanish. And then I want you to like hold it up to your phone and like play it for everyone to hear it. If it, if it has that option. La calabaza. La calabaza. La calabaza. I like that. She's La got that cas- Castilian lisp. Right. I found it in French. It's citrouille, um, which I've never heard of. Kind of like citrus. Citrouille. 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 
It does not sound like pumpkin at all. Okay, la calapasa. Okay. Okay. All righty. Well, shall we go into our first song? Sure. It's called It's True. It's by <laughs> Tanya Tsai, Tsai Jianya. Fitting in with our truth theme for today's mm-hmm. program. Yeah, good start. Yeah, it's a good start. It's so far, so good. No lies yet. Yes, bien. Muy bien. <laughs> There's yes. plenty of time to fill the studio with lies, though. Okay. See what happens. So, we're going to listen to the It's True.
first course. Alrighty, back in our first course on our truth episode. Yes, and basically a lot of the idioms、uh, regarding truth is in Chinese because truth is the best policy. So, like from ancestors, you know, we believe that telling the truth is the most important thing. I think I think in many cultures in the world they have little stories, little fables about, you know, for example, the boy who cried wolf.、Mm-hmm. He was a he was a liar, right?、Mm-hmm. And so once it came around, he, he kept saying, "Oh, there's a wolf, there's a wolf," and there was、mm-hmm. no wolf. Right. But、so、then nobody the believed end, him. Right. And then he really got eaten up by a wolf. Well, I think the sheep did. I'm not sure if he did. Maybe. No. He got eaten. Yeah. No, really? At the end. I thought he was a shepherd. He was shaving、no. a sheep. It's like you know,、uh, the first time he made it a joke because he was bored, and then the second time he made a joke again, and the very last time.、Uh, <laughs> a wolf really came over and ate the sheep and him up. That's a really dark version of the story, well, Ellen. That's、Chu. what my parents told me. <laughs> so different parents have different versions of、exactly. these stories, right? So he said, "Don't tell a lie." So in okay, so in Chinese, like here in Taiwan or in China, do people tell the story of the boy who cried wolf? Yes, they do. Lang lai la, lang lai la, sejama. Yeah, that means the wolf is coming. Yeah, so the boy would say lang lai la, lang lai la, and everybody from the village would rush up and then finds out that he was making a joke. The second time he said lang lai la, lang lai la because he was bored, and then the people came up again, and then they're like, you know, we're not going to believe you anymore. So the third time when the wolf really came. And ate them all up. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness, Alan. I didn't realize. I didn't realize it was an international thing. It's an international thing. Now, are there? Do you, can you think of any stories from Chinese history, like fables, in which there's they're about truth and telling the truth and the importance of telling truth?、Mm, Or do we mostly use this one? I think this in、one. modern Taiwan. Yeah. I think so. Okay. If we think of other ones, we'll let you know. But we、yes. do have a list of different ways to talk about truth using idioms, and there are so many of them.、Mm-hmm. This is actually a whittled down list. We have like maybe eight here. The but- most fundamental one is 实话实说 So you know, tell the story in a very exact way. Okay. Yeah. The real. Version. True. The real version. You need to tell it、right. directly. 无可谓言 So cannot. Cannot say any false, you know, language. Okay.、It's、basically saying that. Yeah. 心口如一 So you know what you say and what you think in your heart in your head should be the same. Heart, mouth, the same. Yes. <laughs> Because if you say something and inside you don't mean it, then you're telling a lie.、Mm. 天人共见 That means that、uh, everybody is witnessing the God and the people around you. As God is my witness, yes. That's what we, we say in English. If we want to stress the fact that something did happen, we would say, "As God、right. is my witness." 一言为定 So,、uh, in one phrase, then it it is settled. So this actually could be translated as "Your my word is my promise" or "Your、yes. word is your promise." My word is my promise. Yeah. 四满难追 is also like my word is my promise. So, so these four actually go, these two go together, right? 一言为定然后四满难追 right? Yes. And that means like the horses can't chase what? What does that mean? So it means that you know、uh, once you say it out, and actually four horse. You know, pulling a carriage cannot chase you. Cannot chase so, down the truth. Chase down the truth. So basically, 
You、right. cannot take it back. Okay, so once the truth is out, it spreads faster and、right. it's more believed than anything else. So exactly, it would win in a race against a cart pulled by four horses. Right. Wow. So if you're selling something, you're a salesperson. You want、mm-hmm. to、um, let everyone know that this is the real deal. It's not a fake.、Right. You would say 货真价实 So the the goods are real. The price is fair. Right. And another one that's similar to 心口如一 is 表里如一 What's outside and inside is the same. Okay. So what's on my face and what's in my mind are the same. Yes. Ah. Okay. Very good. Yes. So actually, you can tell by how many different versions of this and how many different idioms there are, the the degree to which truth and honesty is valued in in Chinese culture, right? Right. So you know how it's valued, right?、Mm. So last week you did a no no. I did a no no because、yes. I didn't know any of these idioms. Right. But now you know. So 一言为定 So now I know no. Yeah, now you know no, right? <laughs> Last week I did a no no, and now、right. I know no. Now he knows no no. So when you teach your kids, do you teach your kids things like this? Like, do you have trouble as a parent with young kids, like making sure that they're telling the truth? Well, there's always the story of George Washington cutting off the cherry tree, cutting down the cherry tree. Yeah, right. So that is a version. It's like you know. Telling the truth, even though you made a boo boo,、mm-hmm. is always the best policy, right?、Mm-hmm. And of course, Long Lila, you know the the story about the shepherd, right?、Mm-hmm. The wolf is yeah,、coming. the wolf is coming. I think you know that is a good story. So these are things that you teach your kids, and whenever they tell like a lie, can you tell?、Them. Yes, you can. How can you tell when your kids are telling the truth or not? Like with Ryan, he would actually. Not be able to look into my eyes, <laughs> right? And he will confess right away. This is your older son and、right. your younger daughter. My younger daughter can look at me and you know argue. Ooh, well practiced. Right. right. So she、actress. would argue and to make her point that even her lie is true, and she would get upset. <laughs> yeah, she would get really upset if you don't believe her. If I don't believe her, even if she's lying, if, but I know she's lying when she's upset. <laughs> you know, when she makes it into like a tantrum,、mm. then I know she's lying.、Oh. <laughs> right? Like for instance, I said, "Did you brush your teeth?" Uh huh. And she would say yes. And then I would look at her. I said, "Tell me once again, did、mm. you brush your teeth?" Why do you ask me? You know I did. I just told you. I said you didn't brush your teeth. <laughs> Or I ask her, "Come over and let me smell your mouth." And then she gets upset. You、and、don't trust said, me. You don't trust me. And I said, "Well, I said if you let me smell your mouth, then I know you brush your teeth or not. If you did, you have no problem." She's she's good. Yeah, I'd watch that one. <laughs> yeah, I watched that one, but Ryan would just, you know, be, be very straightforward and honest. Yeah.、Mm, so、uh-huh. you always know what he's thinking, right? And he would say, "I didn't do it," and I said, "Yeah, you didn't do it. Are you sure? Okay, I did it."、Yeah. So he's shinko bu yi, and、mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> his、yes. heart and his mouth say、yes. different things,、yes. and you can tell it.、Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, very interesting. We're going to go into another song, and this one is based on one of the idioms we just introduced. Yian wei ding, my word is my promise, and it's by Tang Yuzhe. Back in a moment with the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen. Kitchen, and at least our listeners will know whether I'm telling the truth or not. Okay. So 
Second course. We are back now on Feast Meets West, and I am in the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen. This is Andrew Ryan, and I'm going to tell the truth today. I am indeed making pumpkin pie for Ellen Chu. However, I've decided to make mini pumpkin pies, little bite-sized treats that she can pop right on in her mouth. Uh, so I've gotten inspiration here from lifemadesimplebakes.com, although I've tweaked the recipe just a little bit for uh, our needs here. So I'm gonna start off by uh, using a crust that I already made myself. It's one and a half cups of flour, a quarter teaspoon of salt, uh, a stick of butter, and then three tablespoons of ice cold water. Basically, you just mix the flour and salt together, then you chop up the butter really finely, toss it in the flour, and then squeeze it with your uh, thumb and forefinger. And then uh, once it becomes like coarse, almost like cornmeal, then you, uh, you're ready to toss in the water. You put the water in, uh, three tablespoons, very cold. I usually use ice cubes just to keep it really cold. And then I mix it up very quickly, uh, just a couple stirs of a fork and then uh, kneading it maybe four or five times just to make it into a ball. I flatten the ball, put it in some saran wrap and put it in the fridge. So now while that's in the fridge, I'm going to assemble the pumpkin pie mix. Uh, I managed to find a can of pumpkin puree at a store here in Taiwan. So what I'm going to put in this pumpkin pie is a cup of pumpkin puree. Now the recipe calls for half a cup of heavy cream, but I know Ellen doesn't do heavy cream. You can also use recipes that use condensed milk, in which case you don't want to uh, put in the sugars. The original recipe also calls for an egg, a quarter cup of brown sugar, three tablespoons of granulated sugar, a teaspoon of pumpkin pie spice, half teaspoon of ground cinnamon, a quarter teaspoon of kosher sea salt, and a half teaspoon of vanilla extract. And I'm uh, actually just uh, 
tossing those all in the bowl as I uh, tell you about it. Uh, and now we just give it a good mix with a whisk. And now that that's all mixed up, we're gonna set it aside. And I've just gotten my um, dough for my pie crust out of the refrigerator. Uh, and I'm just uh, gonna put it on a floured countertop. I'm flouring up my uh, rolling pin and my hands and everything that's involved. And I'm just gonna roll it out nice and thin. And I'm just using a glass to cut three inch circles. And now that I've uh, got a couple of those out, I'm just laying the circles in my mini muffin tin or mini cupcake tin. A circle of uh, dough goes in each one and I just kind of spread it out a little bit. And then in each one goes about a tablespoon of the pumpkin pie filling. Now I have my uh, oven on already. I've set it to 176 Celsius, that's about 350 Fahrenheit. And I'm just gonna put those in the oven. And they're gonna cook for anywhere between 20 and 30 minutes. I think I'm gonna go closer to 30 minutes just because I want the dough to be nice and cooked because I didn't roll it out as maybe as thin as some people do. But of course I'm gonna check those uh, as they bake and make sure that the uh, crust turns out a little bit browned and uh, the filling in the center is set. So there you have it, mini pumpkin pies. Is Ellie gonna like these babies? We're gonna find out in just a moment when the feast continues in our third course. Up ahead on the feast in our third course, Ellen Chu's gonna sample my mini pumpkin pies. But first, another song. This is by S.H.E. It's called Ni Tai Chen Shi. You're too honest. Much more to come when the feast continues. Okay, so we're basically having a mini pie. 
That is right, Ellen Chu. Go ahead and grab a mini pie. I'm taking one and it has whipped cream on it, the fake kind I like. Just for you, Ellen Chu. Although we need to have a little talk about the lactose thing. I did a little research. You'll be very surprised what I found. What? The stuff on top of your Schmarbucks coffee mm -hmm. is the same as what I was serving you the other day. <laughs> It's not true. It is true. In Taiwan, I don't think so. Mm. I looked at the Taiwanese Schmarbucks webpage. Really? Mm. I think they're lying. <laughs> because I am the human test machine. There will be no lies in our truth show, Ellen Chu. Really? Mm. I am the human test machine. Well, let me ask you this. Now that we have her hooked up to the, um, the lie detector, mm -hmm. how is this pie? Is it okay? It's good. Mm. I like it. I like the cinnamon in it. But there is a milky taste to it. Milky taste to it? There is no milk in it. But I don't know. Maybe it's the cream. It's fake cream, Ellen Chu. Have what a is look. the percentage of it? It says UHT. Okay. Which is vegetable. What you put inside the, the paste? Paste? Egg? Mm -hmm. Pumpkin? Mm -hmm. Butter? The crust? Butter is dairy. Yeah. Crust? Butter? Flour, mm -hmm. sugar, mm -hmm. no, no, no sugar, salt, and mm -hmm. water. Okay. Maybe it's the butter. Maybe. Yeah. Are you going to have issues? No. Good. I'm okay. <laughs> it's very... Oh, I have to tell you, it's interesting. Pinch. When she's like, it's good, I was like instantly knew there was a small problem. Yes. Yeah. It must be from the whipped cream. You think so? Yeah. Do you think they lied to us? As long as you're not going to have issues. I think no. that's the most important thing, yes. aren't you? I'm, I'm okay. Okay. I'm okay. All right. I'm surviving it. She's a survivor. That's da, 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 right. Da, da, da. Play a little Beyonce for you. Okay. All right. But it's good. Any comments? I have to say I give him credit for being, you know, making truthful effort. and making up for it. You know, as long as you know that you've done wrong. And, you know, <laughs> as long as you know that last week... You you be you were you were a cheater, but this this week you made it up. I did make it up, Alan Chu. So you know we give you credit for it. Thank you, Alan Chu. Okay? you're the best. We do not reprimand people with like that. Okay, okay, thank you. As long as you admit that you did your a little failures. cheating, <laughs> not failure. You succeeded your in faults. in cheating me. Okay, yes, I did. But you made up. For it. I still feel a little bit happy that I was able to do that. Really? Although I didn't really, I didn't, I don't think I succeeded because once you saw it, you knew. That's true. You weren't fooled at all. That's true. I'm just like, what? So not successful. What? Baked apples, no, right. no so pumpkin. Right. So next time maybe you should do like sweet potato and pumpkin. All right. So that's our look at truth. Doing our best to tell the truth here. Not always easy. But, you know, if you make an effort and also, I guess, you know, if you did tell a little sweet lie, as long as it didn't hurt anybody, I guess it's okay. As long as it didn't hurt anybody? As long as Ellen Chu's not going to have stomach issues? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go into our addresses? Yes, of course. And we will be truthful with that. P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. A-N-D-R-O-O at R-T-I dot And next week... We're going to look at something more healthier, ginseng. That's right. Join us for a look at ginseng, the perfect Chinese medicine to get us ready for the cold of winter. Ooh. 
It's just one of many Chinese medicines you could take to help you get ready for the cold right. of winter. You could have like dongue and you can have like red dates, you know, a lot of these Sesame. things. Sesame. Yeah. yeah, that's just okay. one of them, but it's a famous one. Yes, and we do have them grown in the United States too. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have one final song, and this is called The Dirty Truth, okay? We don't really like The Dirty Truth, but it's always good to spill out the truth, okay? Okay. So this is by Joanne Shaw Taylor. That's right. And let us spill out our dirty truth. Yes. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Oh, okay. the truth comes out. Oh, yeah. after so many years. All right. All right. For PC Sus, I'm Andy Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. bye. This can't be good. My baby's got that look again. Like he's about to come on down, grab his gun and count to ten. I'm in the line of the battle, shooting sparks like a loud I'll throw my soul to the coals in the fire Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. 
please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also, visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.